Okay, now I'm recording. Hello, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. We're going to get to where we were last week in a minute, but first I'm going to ask Jane how she is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am doing well. I just came from a weekend of cat sitting. My I, I I call them my parents' cats, but they're my cats. Um, I and mean, they were you lived with them snuggly. when you got them, so they like are your cats. Yeah, my family's cats. Yeah, um, and they were very sweet and snuggly, and it was a very nice time. Um, but you know, it's Monday, so <laughs> highs and lows. But <laughs> back <Truly>. at it. <laughs> uh, but I know Sarah has quite a bit to say for this, so. How are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm aware that this podcast isn't therapy. Um, so I'm gonna try to keep it I'm gonna try to keep it brief. Um I am Well, it's not therapy, but it can be therapeutic. That's true. And I like I also don't know how much the listeners care about the week that I've had, but I think it's like a sort of like fun, you know, little story. And fun no, it's not fun at all. Fun that That's... it's not happening. Fun that it's not happening to no. you. It's fun because you it's not going on in your life, you know? No, to keep it yeah. To keep it yeah. brief, um, there was no episode last week because I had um my yearly awful week. Like every year there's one week and everything goes wrong in that week, and God said it was last week for me. Um it wasn't God, it was the full moon in Scorpio, which I'm gonna come back to. <laughs> the full moon in Scorpio screwed me over. So last week, for the second time in 13 months, my apartment had bed bugs. Different apartment, different roommates, but bed bugs. It, they were found Sunday. Mm-hmm. And once again, I slept through it. Or like, I wasn't present when they were found. There were bed bugs in our apartment. Found them Monday, early Monday morning. Monday night, we arranged for a laundry service to pick up all of our clothing on Tuesday. Because if you don't know, when you have bed bugs, you have to get all of the fabric in your apartment laundered and, and or heat treated if it can't be laundered. Now, could we have hypothetically mm-hmm. gone to a laundromat like you and I did? Yes. However, the difference between the last time I had bed bugs and this time was that I have to live in the apartment in between the bed bug treatment. <laughs> Which I didn't last time. We were just leaving to quarantine. At my mom's house in Pennsylvania. And so we were like, okay, we're not going to be back until like the full treatment is done. So we just took everything with us and laundered it. But we didn't have to store it anywhere. And the issue is that any fabrics that are brought back into the apartment in between treatments have to be laundered again. So all of us set aside like two weeks worth of clothes. That's about how long we suspected it would be in between treatments. Um, And everything Mm. else was sent away. That was the Tuesday that got picked up. Wednesday, I took off work and the exterminator, the bed bug exterminator came and did an inspection. And he told us that all the rest of our stuff, which was not fabric, had to go in bags in the living room to be fumigated with what are like little air fresheners. So after we had already purged all of our clothing, we had to put everything else in these huge contractor bags which are now in our living room. Our living room is completely occupied by huge bags with all of our belongings in it. The only thing that could stay was like all my wall decorations are pretty much still up. And then I had a couple of like plastic things that I was like, this, these don't need to be 
fumigated. Like my little pop figure Elsa's are not fumigated, but all of my books, mm-hmm. like everything under my bed, it all my shoes, like everything. So we are like operating with minimal belongings at the moment, which was a whole other thing. So then roughing it. we're roughing it. Friday comes along. It's the day the exterminator's coming and we have a cat. And, or my roommates have a cat, and the cat can't be in the apartment. <laughs> um, long story short, the cat tried to escape, which he's never once done before. And he tried <laughs> to escape by going through the screen in my roommate's bedroom window onto the fire escape. He truly was like, I am out. I am going to dip. I was not home for this, <laughs> but it was an event, and it was traumatic. And my poor roommate is, like, traumatized by it because it was so scary. And he, like, cowered and hid on the fire escape. And they got him out, and he was fine. He's totally okay. He's already recovered. He's acting normal today. Thank God. We were worried. Because he had to, he went <laughs> he went away on in the carrier to my roommate's parents' house and now has come back to the apartment last night and was really freaked out when he came back to the apartment. But now he's acting normal. So he's totally fine. But we have to figure out what to do with him when the exterminator comes back. <laughs> Which is like, we can't do that again. It was awful. It was truly awful for everybody involved. So that was Friday morning. <laughs> exterminator comes does the bed bug treatment, whatever. I get home from work. I put, I have my bed bug cover on my mattresses. I'm like, go, whatever. Also, I want to say that the bed bugs were not found in my room. So as far as I know, there are no bed bugs in my bed, but you never know. So Friday night, we're vibing. Mm-hmm. My roommate Hunter and I are like, let's do something for us. You know, like, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's just like, this. the whole week I was like, I was just searching for comfort items. I got like bubble tea like three times. I just was searching. I didn't cook once. <laughs> Friday night, we sit on the love seat because the futon is like off of its little thing because it had to be treated for bed bugs. Mm-hmm. So Hunter and I are on the love seat together and we decide to watch Jumanji. Romantic. It was not, but <laughs> sure. Um, I, I, I actually was very lucky. Love seat. I had some laundry that was in my car because I had taken it to my mom's house. Mm-hmm. So I had like a blanket that was clean and whatever. So I had like, we had a blanket, whatever. It was like fun. We were like, oh, look, cozy up on the couch, watch a movie, like treat ourselves. It'll be nice. So we're watching Jumanji, mm-hmm. my favorite movie. And I want to remind you that there are many bags around the apartment and the window is open. So I'm hearing rustling and I'm assuming that it's the breeze rustling my like popcorn bag that I had. Mm -hmm. And five minutes before the end of the movie, Hunter goes, I don't want to alarm you, but I think there's a cockroach crawling around in the kitchen. Now, cockroaches. You hate cockroaches. I've been with you when you've interact. Well, I've been like on the phone with you when you interacted with a cockroach and it was not fun. I, they are. For you. They, like they Besides fish, they're my worst fear. I hate them. I hate them. And we've had, we've been seeing cockroaches. Because the another addition to this story is that we're supposed to get extermination services once a month. And we haven't seen them in months. And it's been a huge fight with mm-hmm. our landlord trying to get them to come. And they were supposed to come that Saturday. Like two days after the mm-hmm. bed bugs. Or the day, the next day. So it's Friday night and the exterminator's coming the next day on Saturday. So... We're sitting on the couch. Hunter says, I think there's a cockroach. And all the lights are off. So she gets up. And I'm sitting on the couch, not looking at the kitchen. And she walks into the kitchen. And she's like, 
oh yeah okay okay and (laughs) she I can hear panic in her voice and she's like the bug person like she handles it her and Andy yeah Andy's in California so it doesn't matter so it's just me and Hunter it's like all right me or you it's you you know (laughs) it's not me so she's like okay um Sarah cover your eyes and so now I'm like already like worked up it's been a week and now there's a cockroach so i'm sitting there i don't just cover my eyes i fully get under the blanket i'm like nope i'm not i'm not here and from under the blanket i hear hunter go oh god oh no oh no oh my god and i'm like what's happening and she's like i can't tell you like i was like what do you mean and i'm like what's going on i hear hunter moving around she goes sarah where's the bug spray like because we have raid and I was like it's in my bedroom and she was okay I can't get to that and I'm like "Ah." she's like I can't get to the vacuum I'm like what's happening she's like I can't tell you I can't tell you and then she's like okay I need you to stay calm and I just start having a panic attack just fully I'm under the blanket and I'm having a panic attack and I hear Hunter god bless her taking deep breaths going Hunter you are a strong independent woman (laughs) It is just a bug. It cannot hurt you. You can handle this. And I see her, I hear her like hyping herself up. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, can you squish it? And she goes, no. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? No. And she's like, Sarah, it's flying. It's up on the refrigerator. (laughs) So I'm under the blanket, like fully panicking, whatever. The cockroach crawls, like, across our kitchen. It gets in the cat's food dish, which is so disgusting. And when it's in the food dish, Hunter's like, I'm making a break for it. She makes a break for the spray. She sprays it, and then it crawls out from under our front door, and we never see it again. It had to have died somewhere, but we don't know where. I fully, I just, like, break into a panic. I'm like, I I hate it here. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm like, I got to leave New York. Like, I got to get out of this city. Like, I can't. I can't do this anymore because we've now this is like two strikes on my on my anti bug list. You know, I'm like, I can't handle anymore. I can't do it. Next day. The exterminator is supposed to come now. The exterminator had called Hunter on Friday saying we're going to be there between one and three. Call us if that doesn't work. And we had called back because it didn't work. But they didn't. (laughs) But they didn't answer. Saturday morning, we call again. And they're giving me attitude on the phone. They're like, I'm like, well, one to three doesn't work. And you come later. Like, no, maybe we could have rescheduled if you'd called it, if you'd called not the day of. And I was like, I called you yesterday. And they're like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yes, we did. And they were like, well, I don't know what number you called, but you didn't talk to us. So I was being gaslit by an exterminator. And I was like, pal, listen, you don't know (laughs) what we've had in this apartment this week. I went off. I was like, you have to come. You've ignored our services for four months without doing a follow-up. And now we have huge cockroaches flying around. So you're coming today. And he's like, well, I can't. He's like, well, I can't change the time. So I'm like, fine. So we arranged for somebody to be here. Our lovely neighbors. And Hunter and I went to the zoo. And honestly, it was really nice. I really needed that. (laughs) So we went to the zoo. I pet an alpaca. It was amazing. He was so sweet. I'm going to leave this city now and own an alpaca farm and live an alternative life because I can't do this city anymore. And two things happened at the zoo because of course they did. I could just like be at the zoo and be happy. First thing that happens (laughs) is we get to the zoo. I drop Hunter off at the front. I go and park my car and I discover that my tire has a hole in it and it's leaking out air. 
And so I'm just like, yep, that's going to be flat by the time we're done. And literally when I called Hunter to tell her this, it was as if I had said that it was raining outside. It was like, of course it is. Of course I have a flat tire. Of course. Out of all of the, out of, after yeah. all this, why wouldn't the tire be flat? The tire was handled very quickly. It was totally fine. But it was just one of those things that I was like, and now I'm dealing with this, you know? Second yeah. thing that happened is that the exterminators did not come. <gasps> They had until three o'clock. They had between one and three. It gets to be 3.20 and we're leaving the zoo. And the very first thing I do is call the exterminators. And I call and I say, it is 3.20. Where are you? And the guy goes, I don't know what you're talking about. The guy was there at one. And I was like, no, nobody showed up. And he was like, okay, I'll reach out to the technician. And he reaches out to the technician. He was like, yeah, the technician rang the doorbell. And he wasn't there. And I was like, how many times do I have to tell you that our buzzer is broken? You have every single phone number of every single person that lives in that apartment building. Yeah. We have told you explicitly to call us. It was this whole thing. I yell at the exterminator. They're now coming tomorrow and they better show up. Oh my God. They better show yeah. up. Yeah. Hunter leaves a scathing voicemail to our landlord because really all this boils down to that our buzzer's broken and has been broken since they moved in in 2019. <laughs> like that's really all what all this boils down to. Yeah. But I, Saturday night, we got home and I was like, I'm a drained person. I've never been so drained in my life that in this week I dealt with bed bugs for the second time, which is very expensive. It's very expensive to deal with because of the laundry situation. Mm-hmm. A flying cockroach, a flat tire, and these assholes. Because truly, the thing that made me the most mad wasn't even the cockroach, wasn't even the bed bugs. I'm like, you're just bugs living your life. It was that man gaslighting me on the phone. Yeah. I was like, my dude, it is not the time. No. That was not brief, but that is what happened to me last week. This is the part where it gets funny. I mentioned that I blame okay. Full Moon and Scorpio. So these are some tweets about Full Moon and Scorpio that I think really support the information that I just gave you about how my week went. And this is sort of my like last pitch for like maybe listen to astrology and pay attention. Um, I will say that while nothing explicitly went wrong for me last week, um, except on Friday there was a little bit of chaos at work, but... Mm. Um, I felt so, like, I had so much trouble sleeping every single night last week. So I was was barely getting any sleep, and I was pumping myself with coffee. I drank so much coffee last week. And then when it got to the weekend, I literally felt, like, I've, the only time recently that I can think that I felt as exhausted as I felt this week was, like, after I got my COVID shot. And Mm. when I've had, like, the flu in the past, I felt so dead and like my mental health was not in a good place you are not the only um, person but, to say that too other people have yeah. said that about this last week but i feel i feel much better now and I've, i mm-hmm. had a really good day today so like i i'm I, i'm hoping that it was just like a a weekend funk and that if i really make an effort this week to go to bed very early yeah it will be <laughs> a better situation yeah but yeah so i've i and, and it wasn't just me like i've had a lot of people tell me like that mm-hmm. they were in a funk like late last week into the weekend yeah so tell me all about full moon and scorpio okay. which i am a scorpio moon so i don't know if that's related but um it, it's no this last week was that the full moon that we had that big pink moon was in the mm-hmm. house of scorpio mm-hmm. so this is what the full moon and scorpio what people had to say about it on twitter 
Full moon in Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Every year, Scorpio full moon comes along to briefly disturb the comfort of Taurus season as if to remind us that things are always flowering and <laughs> decaying side by side. Full moons bring insight. Oh, sorry. Full moons bring sight, catharsis, endings, confirmations, truth, and revelations. In Scorpio, the full moon can bring about something unsettling, but it's an invitation to go deeper and see where you find yourself. I found myself a shell of a person. That's what I found. <laughs> I had many unsettling things happen, mostly having to do with bugs. So I think unsettling was a bit of an understatement there. Full moon Scorpio for fire signs. This is what they said. They said, whew, the energy is very intense fire inside fire signs. It feels like now is going to be the time for you to really learn new knowledge. There is someone in the physical and spiritual world that will connect with you so deeply after this moon. I don't know about the second part, but what I I learned a lot of facts about bed bugs and a lot of facts about cockroaches, including cockroaches eat bed bugs. So if we're seeing more cockroaches, it's because we have bed bugs. Ugh, no. Yeah, gross. That's what I learned. This full moon you're releasing and for leo it's in the past (laughs) i would like to let i would like this to live in the past i would like to let this go i would agree let it go um this one girl tweeted i don't know what this scorpio full moon did to me but i like it and then the first reply is i didn't like what it did to me i'm all messed up (laughs) (laughs) which was me The Scorpio wrote that first. I mean, the the cockroach wrote that first tweet. <laughs> this tweet is, that Scorpio full moon left me with a whole new life. Like, where do I go from here? <laughs> Scorpio full moon affirmations. Leo's was, I am open to blessings. I absolutely am open to blessings. Please bless me. Please bless me. <laughs> And then this is the last one. It said, Full Moon Scorpio got me like, and it's a cartoon of a cat and he's standing on the edge of a bridge um, with a rock tied to his waist, ready to jump off. It's not, it's not a real cat. It's a cartoon cat. I'll show it. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I didn't, I wasn't picturing like a live cat, like (laughs) holding a rock, like getting ready to commit suicide. (laughs) But I, I felt that with my whole heart. So anyway, that was my hell week. Um, Truly terrible. Um, would not recommend if you ever have bed bugs and you need advice. I'm an op- I'm an open book about my experience thus far. Um, <laughs> I will say that the one bright side to this, which I've I've reiterated many times to many people, is that I'm very lucky to live with roommates who are all very supportive of each other. I think when you have mm-hmm. um, infestations of things, it can be really easy to point fingers and be like, it's because you did X, Y, Z, yada, yada. Like I felt none yeah, of that yeah. and none of us had that attitude. We all were like, what do we need to do? What do we have to do together to get through this? Um, and I felt very supported by all my roommates, which was great. Um, and which is the best thing that you can do because if you do go through bed bugs, it is not one of those things that's easy to pinpoint where they came from. It's likely not because somebody did something egregiously wrong. Like they just suck and they live a very long time and latch on to things. Um, So, you know, be gracious to the people around you should it happen, Um, which did Mm -hmm. happen. And I was very, very grateful. And we all we all got through it together with a good with with a good attitude together. You know, like we all were miserable, but we're like, we're miserable together. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is the one thing that I will say I was very very grateful for leaving this that i was like i have great roommates in a good living situation and it's all gonna be fine um i can't imagine if (laughs) i fought with my roommates through this um so that was nice but that was that was my story which was longer than intended i mean my segment's pretty short so 
My segment's very short. I don't even... Oh, no, I remember what I asked you about. I don't remember what I asked you about. Okay. Um, so <laughs> well, <laughs> we can get started now with the okay. real stuff, with the actual content. <laughs> you asked me <laughs> about <laughs> designated survivors. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> designated Survivor is a show starring Kiefer Sutherland. And <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I might leave and watch Designated Survivor after this. Yeah, well, Designated Survivor is a show, but it is based on a real-life thing that happens in our country. Mm -hmm. A Designated Survivor, which is also called a a Designated Successor, is a chosen individual in the presidential line of succession who is chosen to stay at an undisclosed, secure location away from large government events, such as the State of the Union Address or a presidential inauguration. The reason to designate a survivor is for a hypothetical scenario in which there is a mass casualty incident and the president and the vice president and all of the other people in the line of succession are all killed and having a designated survivor uh, which I feel like I'm going to say that word so many times. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I'm just going to start saying DS. Yeah, you can just say DS. I'll follow. I don't yeah, think yeah. I won't think you're talking about a Nintendo DS. Having a a DS um, secures that there's somebody ready to step into the role of president in order to protect the and maintain the democratically elected administration. Okay. The Presidential Succession Act of 1947 was when all of the like official specifications of this system were put in place. And it was really started because of um, all of the scare of nuclear attack before the Cold War. So that was when the idea was thought of and when it was uh, in the 50s is when they really started to have it. In the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, they dictated that in order to be eligible to be the designated survivor, Um, You must meet the Mm -hmm. qualifications that make you eligible to be president. One thing that's interesting about that is that not everybody in the presidential line of succession has to meet those qualifications. Like you can be like, you could be like the secretary of something. The secretary of agriculture, for example. Yeah. And not qualify to be president, but in order to be chosen to be the designated survivor, you do have to qualify to be president. So you have to be at least 35 years old, you have to be a natural-born U.S. citizen, and you must have resided in the U.S. for at least 14 years. Mm-hmm. Those involved in the selection process say that it's usually a pretty random choice of an individual, and they're usually kind of lower down on the succession line. Mm-hmm. Uh, although character is sometimes taken into account in order to cross somebody off the list, of the, like potential people to choose like you can be like oh that person's crazy let's not make them i don't know how to some that, of our but... cabinet members but it could i i probably i don't know also if <laughs> the thing that the person is in charge of is going to be a topic of major discussion at the event that they're choosing mm. a ds4 um, then they're probably not going to be chosen to, <laughs> to, right, to be, be the, the DS. DS. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for example, if a president is about to give a State of the Union address and one of the major topics that they are going to 
discuss at length is education in the United States, then the right. Secretary of Education is most likely not going to be the designated survivor because they're going to be at the address. Uh, as I was just saying, it is very often the Secretary of something. For mm -hmm. example, the Secretary of Energy, Secretary of the Interior, Secretary of Commerce. In fact, I have the full list here. I might as well just read it. Uh, so, yeah, we have the president, and then the first person who is, like, mm -hmm. in the line of succession is the vice president. So if the president mm -hmm. dies, vice president becomes president. Then it's the speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. Then it's the president pro tempore of the Senate. And then after that, it is the secretary of state, treasury, and defense. And mm -hmm. then the attorney general, and then the secretaries of the interior, agriculture, commerce, labor, health and human services, housing and urban development, transportation, energy, education, and then finally, Veterans Affairs and Homeland Security. Mm. I saw a lot of Secretaries of Energy. I was looking at the list of known designated survivors, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of Secretary of Energy, a lot of President Pro Tempore of the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. In the show with Kiefer Sutherland, uh, that character before, um, he is the designated survivor and must become president he his character is the secretary of housing and urban development mm. so i I've, I've never seen the show but for this i watched like a clip online of like the first scene of the show mm -hmm. which is him just like in a sweatshirt like eating pizza watching the um state of the union address and the like then it happens and the description i read online is just that it's meant to be kind of like a unassuming secretary of housing and urban development like, right. would never expected to be president mm. is now president and it's because of the state of the union address they get bombed yeah. yeah i thought when i was going into this i thought that like every president throughout the presidency chooses a designated survivor but that's not the case mm -hmm. a new designated survivor is chosen for every event that mm. they need one for and it's mainly just inaugurations and State of the Union addresses, or as Biden just had a uh, address to the joint, um, my brain is saying joint houses of Congress, but that's not it. Um, the presidential address to the joint session of Congress, mm -hmm. which is what President Biden just gave. And fun fact, for this recent address that uh, President Biden just gave, there was not a designated survivor and this is very rare the, this is one of the first times in a very very long time that for a presidential address there was not a designated survivor mm -hmm. and the reason for that is because because of the pandemic so many members of the cabinet were not present at the speech that so they didn't mm -hmm. need one yeah um because they were all watching from home or from right. wherever they just weren't in the um plate they weren't they weren't all huddled in one place which is the big danger yeah. thing so um there is tech i read one article that was like well there technically is a designated survivor it's just if you look at the cabinet members that are not present in the room whoever is the highest up in the line of succession is technically the, the, designated, the designated survivor, survivor. yeah for reasons of actually keeping the person safe, the identity of the designated survivor is sometimes not disclosed to the public until after the event. Mm -hmm. The DS for Biden's inauguration has not been disclosed as of yet. The most recent designated survivor that we know about was for Trump's 
last State of the Union address on February 4th, 2020, mm. and that was Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt. The year before that, it was the tr- Secretary of Energy, Rick Perry, which such a joke that he was the Secretary of Energy. <laughs> I forgot he was the Secretary of Energy. No qualifications for that position. No. Michael, no. Um, and my like kind of final thought and random observation is that, well, you can have a repeat, like you can choose somebody to be the designated survivor more than once mm-hmm. because you really just want to kind of make it like somebody that wouldn't really be expected like they literally just go up to the president before every event and they're like hey pick someone random and they pick and that you can pick somebody more than once um i i get i guess maybe if you think it'd be like ooh, sneak it up choose the same person twice but i i didn't see in the list that there was any anybody ever chosen two times in a row Mm -hmm. but there there were a couple times that it was like uh, person a then person b then person a again then person b again right But anyway, one person that I noticed has done it twice is Orrin Hatch. He was the designated survivor for Obama's final State of the Union address in 2016. Yeah. And for Trump's inauguration in 2017. I would just like to say, when I noticed that, I looked at it, and he was a Republican who had a very long career. He was, Mm -hmm. like, one of the longest-serving Republican congressmen or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Orrin Hatch is 87 years old. <laughs> Today. He's I, 87 now. Currently, yes. So when he but was still, the, like, DS, in 2016. He was, yeah, he was, like, In 2016, that was 82. Yeah. But still, like. That's really funny. I know that it's good to pick somebody that a potential attacker might not expect. Right. But wouldn't you also, for your designated survivor, want to pick somebody that's, like, likely to survive like i know that they just really need to take office and form a new cabinet but right then like a new line of succession is established so they don't have to survive that long right but like don't pick someone i can't like why are you picking somebody who's so so old <laughs> i don't know i don't know why what they if did he's that? in his room watching and then there's a bombing and then, then he, he dies, dies of a heart attack because yeah. he's so scared right. like that's true. That's a legitimate concern. Everything was like, oh, it's been Orrin Hatch twice. That's who Orrin Hatch is? Why would you pick him? Like, that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> that, that is my final thought on Designated Survivor. There was one guy who it also was it twice, and it was like, it was Orrin Hatch and then that guy, and then Orrin Hatch again, and then that guy again. And he had an interesting name, and I'd never heard of him. And I was like, huh? Jeh Johnson? J-E-H Johnson? I don't know. He was the Secretary of Homeland Security. Hmm. Well. Oh, it's pronounced J. Well, that was interesting. Is that the end of your segment? That is the end of my segment, yes. It was not that lengthy of a topic. That's all right. Mine's not very lengthy either. So my middle segment today is about um, the news, something that's been going on in the news. Um, that has been slowly updated throughout the day. Oh, I've not been paying attention to the news today, so this. I, well, well, this tell is me. this is going to be a little sad. Um, or it's a lot. Oh, no. It's actually a lot sad. So, um, late Sunday, um, or late Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, a boat capsized off the side of um off the coast of San Diego, and the boat was like oh, split no. in half. Um and. <gasps> Lots of people were injured. Three people died. 
Yeah. 29, 29 survivors, many all, all with serious injuries and three deaths. Um, but mm-hmm. the like re- the the information that has been revealed about this has been compelling. It was a forty foot cabin cruiser, um, and there were thirty two people aboard. Like I said, including the captain, and the boat hit a reef and then broke apart near the Cabrillo National Monument in Point Loma um, at around ten thirty a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. Um, so I guess it was earlier in the day. For some reason, I thought it was late in the day. Five of the people are in the hospital and one is in critical condition now, like as of today. Um, this article is updated at 4.50, so very recent information. Um, and they they were saved by the Coast Guard. Um, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection wrote that every indication from our perspective is that this was a smuggling vessel attempting to smuggle migrants to the United States illegally. Um, that was said by Supervisory Agent Jeff Stephenson um, at a news conference on Sunday. Now, the original story was just like, oh, a boat is capsized. Oh, the boat, oh, the boat broke in half. Oh, they're rescuing people. Oh, three people are dead. But now, with the um, with an investigation from um, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, um, the same agent. Jeff Stevenson has said that the agents um, believe that the ship was a smuggler um, and that the captain was behind um, smuggling these people um, into the country. And the captain's name has not been released. But Brandon Tucker, Customs Border Protection's um, deputy director of air operations, said the captain of the suspected smuggling boat is like sort of out of it in their interviews and he's not really giving any information so that was sort of like the most recent update Mm -hmm. was that it's not just a boat it's that it was like an attempt to smuggle people into america um stevenson said that when they found the boat the boat was severely crowded when the incident occurred um six people were rescued from the water and others walked or swam to shore um lifeguard lieutenant rick romero with the san diego fire rescue um saved a couple of them and he saw them come in um he said that they had injuries ranging from hypothermia to physical injuries um that were sustained when the boat literally broke apart underneath them which is so scary um and that at the time when the boat capsized conditions were rough with five to six feet of surf windy it was windy it was cold and the water is around 60 degrees so you can get hypothermia pretty quickly um chilly the, Romero described the boat as on the reef, bouncing back and forth, and then slowly disintegrating into a bunch of pieces until there was no boat. It's all debris. And if you look at the photos, like, truly the whole boat fell apart. Like, there's, like, windows floating in the water, beds, ladders. It's like It just, like, crumbled as if, like, it was a cracker in your hand that you could just sort of break apart. Um, while there were life jackets aboard the vessel, it's unknown how many passengers or crew were able to access them and use them. Like I said, the boat was also overcrowded, so there weren't enough. Um, Romero also said that the boat did not have a manifest, so they couldn't say if there were children on board if at the time the boat overturned. Uh, no children have been found or mm. claimed, but they haven't really spoken to the people who were on the boat. Um, because yeah, being like, were you were there kids with you? right, and they were immigrants, so they're afraid to like say this is who was with us or whatever so there's like a lot of you know a lot of mystery um (sighs) the 40-foot vessel that struck the reef um was larger than the typical smuggling boat which is why they didn't initially think that they were smugglers um 
at this point, um, Tucker says that they're assuming it was illegal migration based off of the number of people on the boat, but they don't know for sure. They don't know for sure. In a news release that was issued on Saturday, the day before Customs Borders Protection actually said that they were ramping up operations to disrupt maritime struggling, smuggling off the coast of San Diego that weekend. So it coincided with like a big push looking for these vessels. Um, and Chief Patrol Agent Aaron Heitke said that they've seen a dramatic increase in the number of maritime smuggling attempts recently um, and that illegal crossings at sea are inherently dangerous. Um, and they often turn from risky to tragic as smugglers sacrifice the safety of those on board for the sake of quote unquote profits. Mm -hmm. um, because that's a good way to make money is saying I'll smuggle you into the U.S. Yeah. Um, they said when they interdict suspect vessels, they routinely find unsafe conditions with people overcrowded into small boats without necessary safety equipment, unfortunately. Um, and the individuals on board these vessels who are trying to enter the U.S. illegally um, are frequently not given all the information and told about how dangerous it is to try to enter via the sea, particularly in, in San Diego, California, where the waters are really rough and there's a lot of reefs and rocks. Um, and, they and they often will end up far out to sea in a small boat without adequate food, water, safety gear, or protection against the elements. So this is like a, a very tragic thing that happened that the, boat, that the boat fell apart, but like it is actually like a common-ish and really dangerous occurrence out in San Diego, which I definitely didn't know and didn't think about. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's gaining media attention because people drowned and died um but it's just something to like yeah be aware of you know that immigration is still a major point of contention in the united states and that um there are a lot of people trying to get into the country for a variety of reasons and this is just like one really dangerous operation um or not mm -hmm. one but a series of very dangerous operations going on off the coast in california so just something to, like, generally be aware of, I guess. I don't know. I just wanted to yeah. talk about that and be like, I acknowledge that that happened today, and that's really upsetting. It also was, like, upsetting that I was I, I saw it on my lunch break, the news story, and I was like, oh, that's devastating. And then by the time it was, like, 5 o'clock and I was trying to pull up the same thing that I found on my lunch break, I, like, couldn't find it. Like, the, the news had moved on so quickly, which is also, like, sad in itself. Yeah, there are so many right. awful things happening in the world at once that we can't focus on one for too long. Exactly, which made me upset. But anyway, yeah. that's what's going on there. Um, speaking of water, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> A great transition. Thank you. <laughs> I know I'm familiar with water. <laughs> um, I've had some in my life. Yeah, have you had water today, Jane? have actually i drank a fair amount from my water bottle at work oh good I as she takes a sip yeah i'm gonna take a sip too in in honor of the water um today we're gonna talk about the time that they drained niagara falls which i really wanted this to be more dramatic than it was i'm like kind of disappointed <laughs> i was like they oh, were okay. looking for something they knew something was down there and they weren't um i genuinely thought it was gonna be like they there was found atlantis no we know where atlantis is jane don't joke. it's in mauritania it's in I mauritania know. don't I joke um i genuinely was like there was a murder investigation they thought the body was down there they drained the whole thing that was not what happened so yes niagara falls specifically the american falls at niagara falls um which uh -huh. were drained in 1969 for six months niagara falls has three falls american falls bridal veil falls horseshoe falls this was the american falls 
Um, and this was a geological project that was led by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And they had to do it because beginning in 1931, boulders began piling at the base of the American Falls, um, which cut the height of the falls in half, which aesthetically they were upset about, but also it raised questions <laughs> about um, the safety and the structure of the rock face of the falls. So the Army mm. Corps decided that they, they would conduct a geological survey of the rock face out of concern that it would quickly become destabilized by erosion, which was causing the rock pile. In order to dewater American Falls, the Army built a 600-foot dam across the river, which diverted 60,000 gallons of water per second to the larger Horseshoe Falls, um, which, for the record, American Falls is the smallest of the Niagara Falls, and that is only 10% of the water flow at the entirety of Ni Niagara Falls. 60,000 gallons of water per second. 10%. So mm. if you want to know how much water dam. is churning there... <laughs> yeah, literally there was a dam. Um, how much water is <laughs> churning there? It's a lot. This dam mm -hmm. um, consisted of 27,800 tons of rock. And actually only took three days to complete, which I guess makes sense. Like you kind of got to build that quickly because there's a lot of pressure building up there. Um, mm -hmm. It was completed between June 9th and June 12th to June 12th of 1969. And they managed to divert all that water over to Horseshoe Falls. Now, the original plan for the dewatering was that they were going to remove um the huge mound of rocks that had accumulated at the base of the falls which had caused this speculation but the cost ended up being too high so instead they wanted they decided to stabilize the rocks that were still there and they added some other safeguards to stop the falls from collapsing anytime soon and this included instruments that were implanted to monitor rock movements, steel bolts and cables to stabilize rocks on what's called Luna Island, which they feared was going to collapse, and drainage holes to relieve hydrostatic pressure. Um, when they drained the falls, sadly, I guess this isn't sadly, two dead bodies were found. Um, I, <gasps> I say sadly because they thought they were going to be more. They were like, we're going to find a lot of people. We're going to find, like, because, and, like, they were kind of like, maybe that's a good like, thing. Like, we can get these people back to their families. They thought they were going to find a bunch of dead bodies, essentially, when they drained the falls. Yeah. Because like, so many people fall in or commit like people suicide who jumped. there. Yeah, yeah, like, people who who committed suicide or fell in or whatever, which was more common before, mm -hmm. like, in earlier days when there weren't as many safeguards there, they were kind of like, oh, maybe we'll find all these bodies and, like, finally return people home to their families. But they only found two. Um, still devastating, but they really were expecting more. They were kind of all like, oh, I don't know what we're going to find when we drain this. But it wasn't anything insane. Um, they didn't solve any murders, which I really, I was like, oh, there's got to be a true crime story in there. And there's not. Mm. The workers also cleaned the river bottom um of unwanted boss and they added a temporary walkway which was installed only 20 feet from the edge of the falls so tourists were allowed to like walk across the riverbed and explore which people loved and it was actually a huge tourist attraction for the months that it was dewatered a lot of people visited um and some tourists were even allowed to um like cross the riverbed and collect coins that people had thrown in um Oh, it was so popular. That sounds like it would be cursed. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You took somebody's <laughs> wish. Hello, like you can't do that. It's rude. 
On the first day after the falls were drained, 100,000 people visited. So it was a whole, it was a big deal. It really drew a lot of attention. Um, and it actually was like one of the biggest tourist attractions of the 1960s or 1969 specifically. That was really all that happened in November of 1969. The temporary Dan was dynamited um, and the falls have not been drained since um, water flow continued. Um, but I, I, there are two things that I would like to bring up. And one is completely ludicrous. So I'm going to start with the, the serious thing first. Um, and that it is important to note that many consider Niagara Falls the victim of exploitation by the U.S. and Canadian governments um, because mm-hmm. of their situation and being a very big tourist attraction. Um, and there have been many arguments over the preservation of Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is about 12,000 years old, and the word Niagara comes from the Iroquois term Unguiara, Unguiara, I think is how you say it. Um, So, you know, again, we've stolen indigenous people's names and Europeanized it, um, Mm -hmm. is one thing. And Niagara Falls was a highly popular tourist destination for Europeans, Um, during the colonial era and beyond. Charles Dickens visited and wrote of its beauty, as well as Tocqueville. And Nikola Tesla built the first hydroelectric plant near Niagara because he was like, "It's, it's, it's so important that we use this as a site of industry, which a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a lot of people had mixed feelings about. In the 1880s, the free Niagara movement successfully lobbied to create a park around the falls, which essentially made it, Um, you know, protected land. So these factories couldn't continue to be built. But in 1950, the U.S. and Canada made the decision to divert 50% of the water from Niagara Falls to hydroelectric turbines um, to cut the water flow. And at night, they cut the water flow in half again. So we, like, very much regulate the water at Niagara Falls, Mm -hmm. which some people say is wrong, naturalists specifically. Historian Daniel McFarlane called the Niagara Falls today a, quote, completely man-made and artificial cataract. Um, Essentially, its popularity as a tourist attraction has encouraged its preservation, but not for any, like, environmental or conservationist reasons, which um, a lot of conservationists say is morally wrong. Um, But the issue is that if Niagara Falls was left untouched, it would be one of the fastest eroding falls in the world. Today, it erodes at three to four inches every 10 years, whereas it used to be four feet per year before intervention. Since its original, since its formation 12,000 years ago, Niagara Falls has moved, they approximate seven miles. (gasps) Yeah, that's how much it eroded. But human intervention. Like what? Yeah. What would happen if it were just, like, left untouched forever, would it just become, like, a giant lake? It would, or... No, it, yeah, it would just, coll- like, it would collapse, essentially. It would just become a river. Yeah. Like, the whole thing would just collapse down, and it would just be a river that sloped down. It wouldn't be a waterfall anymore. Essentially. Um, human mm. intervention has reduced the rate of erosion by 85%. They now estimate it'll take a about 15,000 years for Niagara Falls to disappear. Had they not intervened, it would have been a lot sooner. 
The Smithsonian Institute reported mm-hmm. in 2019 that New York State has already planned another drainage to fix two bridges, but during that drainage, there's no intention to uh, make further adjustments to prevent erosion. So that's sort of what's going on with like mm-hmm. Niagara Falls and like its erosion and the chances of it disappearing and all of these things. Like geologically, there's a lot going on there. Um, but, and there's a lot of arguments yeah. over whether or not we should intervene or let nature take its course. A whole big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this was short, I wanted to talk about a different horrific event that I learned about when I was doing research that occurred in the 19th century at Niagara Falls. And I'm interested, okay. if, I'm interested if you know about this because you grew up in Buffalo or you lived in Buffalo, which is very close. I lived in Buffalo for the, yeah, I've, okay, go ahead. So in content warning for violence against animals, I'm sorry. Um, in 1827, a group of hotel owners, um, I believe they were, I believe they were Canadian, um, because this event occurred on Horseshoe Falls, which is on the Canadian side, but I don't know that for a fact, wanted to have a promotional event at Niagara Falls because apparently the waterfall wasn't bringing in enough tourism. So Mm -hmm. they got this crazy idea um, to decorate a boat like a pirate ship, load it up with animals, and send it down the river. The creators of this plan included William Forsyth of the Pavilion Hotel, and he purchased an out-of-commission lake schooner. Is that how you say it? S-C-H-O-O-N-E-R. Yeah, schooner. <laughs> schooner. Yeah. I was like, I don't think it's schooner. Schooner called the Michigan. No, it's schooner. And together with General The ice Park- cream place I worked at when I was in high school had a size called schooner, and it was just like a gallon of ice cream. Like it was huge. <laughs> I love that. No one ever ordered it, um, but it was, it was on the menu. Well, now I'm going to go there and I'm going to order it, Jane. Cause you said that I'm going to do it. Okay. 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 Um, so William Forsyth he purchased this lake schooner named the Michigan and together with general Parkhurst Whitney of the Eagle hotel and John Brown of the Ontario hotel, they came up with the plan um, to decorate this boat and do this like crazy stunt. So the three hotel operators said that they would take living animals from area forests, put them on a boat, send them through the whitewater rapids and over the edge. And the men, I don't know if they actually thought this or if they were just telling people this, seemed to think that if the ship followed a specific path, it would survive the journey on over the falls, of, of which was Horseshoe Falls, the largest of the three Niagara Falls. They had advertised for this big tourist event that they would have panthers, wildcats, and wolves as cargo and claimed that because these animals were young and strong and muscular, they could survive the trip, that it would totally be fine. No. But in actuality, the animals documented on the trip and having been seen on the boat were a buffalo, two small bears, two raccoons, a dog, and a goose. And some also report seeing foxes, geese, and an eagle. So on September 8th, 1827, about 10,000 people, which is a lot for 1827, came to watch and visitors were allowed to board the boat and see the animals beforehand, wish them well on their terrible journey. And then the hotel owners died like dummies to look like a like crew and whatever to the boat because, again, it was dressed up like a pirate ship. Um, they tied them to the boat to resemble passengers and the vessel was towed from black rock to navy island which where it was then pointed at the falls and released 
At the rapids, the hull of the ship tore open and the two bears escaped and they swam to the goat they swam to Goat Island. So the two okay. the two bears made it. The unfortunately the rest of the boat did go over and only the goose survived. Did the goose just fly away? I don't know because they said that they were tied down. So I don't know how the goose survived, but good for the goose, I guess. Uh, that's so horrible. Ugh. It's awful. This is probably the most extreme case of something being sent over the falls. But in 1901, a cat named Lagara was sent over in a barrel and the cat did survive. This I heard. I've heard about. Yes. And then I didn't know the cat's name, but I, uh, yeah. Yeah, Glagara survived. And then in 1930, George Stahakis also went over in a barrel with a turtle. Now, the barrel made it over intact, but then the barrel got trapped beneath the falls and Stahakis evidently suffocated, but the turtle made it? I don't know how they know that the turtle made it. I guess they, like, recovered the barrel and opened it up and the turtle was still inside because it's not like it broke away and they saw the turtle swimming away. But anyway, good for the turtle, I guess. Um, going the over turtle the went and over barrels. and someone was like, hey, look, it's the turtle. Like, look, it's he was the just turtle. swimming all chill. No, but the barrel didn't break. They, like, recovered the barrel and recovered yeah. George's body and opened it up and the turtle was like, get me out and mm. swam away. I guess. Um, going over the falls in barrels has become sort of a daredevil's activity. Um, but please don't do it. Yeah. Only about 25% of people who attempt it survive. So not recommended. Don't give it a try. It's like free soloing. Like you, like people can do it, but your chances of dying are way too high. Uh, I can't stand people who do free solo like makes Jane so mad. It free solo so makes funny. me so mad. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to do it. He says he does, but he doesn't. Like, I get wanting to climb things, sure. But, like, wear harnesses. Like, have safety measures. What is the point? It's just... Uh, <laughs> it's like Amy a weird Poehler, power trip. My, One of my favorite things to watch is just Amy Poehler being interviewed about Free Solo by Seth Meyers and her being like, I kept waiting for them to say, like, if he does this, someone lives, or, like, there's a cure he's climbing to. For but no, it's just it's just something he wants to do. <laughs> for no reason! It's true. It's true. It's a great... Do- I loved the documentary. I have to say, I've watched it twice. I really enjoyed it, but it is very frustrating to watch. And that's how I feel about these people going over Niagara Falls in barrels. Why are you doing that? Not many people do it anymore, but it, it is a thing. Um, that's really all I have to Even say. Even when the guy Falls. was, yeah, when the guy was walking on the tightrope across, oh it, my I god, was that like, was a whole other thing. I'm like, I'm like, it's a, I guess it's amazing that you did this successfully, but why? Why did we need? Why did I need to feel terror for an hour watching you walk across this tightrope? That's how why? I felt watching that movie about the guy that did the tightrope across the twin towers. I was like, this is <sighs> too much. I'm there's so no afraid. point to this. I'm so far. Some people, other than bragging rights, and that's oh, some man. people. But like that is a big thing. Like bragging rights often is like a major factor. That wasn't the case for um, the free solo guy, Alex. But like for the tightrope guy, it was a, it was a big pride thing. It was a big I I know that I can do this, and like how dare you tell me I can't type type of thing. This might be a controversial opinion, but that's kind of how mm-hmm. I feel about motorcycles. There's some people that are like. I don't know. I was talking to somebody mm. recently and they were like, 
oh, my dad's going through a midlife crisis and getting a motorcycle. And I love that for him. I want to get a motorcycle someday. And I was literally like, oh, okay. Like, I just, it's so dangerous. I, and no, also, it just, I, it I'm very anti motorcycle. So inconvenient. Like, wouldn't you be cold? Mm-hmm. And where do you keep your things? And there's so many things that are just not worth the constant endangerment of death. I cannot stand motorcycles. Like the chances of no, you surviving a motorcycle crash either. are slim. And then don't even talk to me if you're about not wearing a helmet. Like you will die in a motorcycle crash 100% if you do not wear a helmet. I am very anti-motorcycles. One time, um, I'll tell this story and then we can wrap it up. One time I was uh, driving, I was like literally half a mile down the road from my mom's house. And I was in my car. And there was a man on a motorcycle in front of me. And at the stop sign that's up the street from my mom's house, him and I were both going left. And he made a left, but I guess he banked too hard. And I watched him go from being upright on the motorcycle to suddenly on his side. And he slid off the road on the motorcycle with, like, his (gasps) leg caught under the motorcycle. And I fully panicked. I fully panicked. I didn't want to get out of the car. I was like, that man's dead. He wasn't dead. He he, He lived. He was okay. But I, I pulled over and I immediately called my mom's boyfriend because I was like, I can't deal with this. I can't get out of the car. I will vomit. But thankfully, I was up the street. So we got there in like a minute. I was like, ah, and he helped the guy and the guy was okay. Mm-hmm. We did call. We did call 911. But oh my God, it was so scary. It was so, so scary. It was awful. Um, and I've never gotten that image out of my head. I was like, I was Ugh. in college when it happened. It was so scary. It was awful. The closest, and this will be the last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap up. Um, it the closest thing to daredevilly behavior that I would willingly participate in is the Try Guys made a video a couple months ago where they tried hang gliding, but mm. the entire video they stayed very low to the ground mm. and they just like went like a couple feet above the ground along a beach, and I was like, that I could, that seems fun. Yeah, being like could, maybe I, ten feet in the air above a beach, just having a fun time. Yeah, I could maybe handle that. I get scared on Ferris wheels. Like this isn't for me. I, oh, same. <laughs> yesterday I tweeted as a joke. I'm gonna rewrite Jason Robert Brown's song to "I am afraid of everything." <laughs> I am afraid of everything. I am. I'm afraid of everything now, especially Beach, mountains, water. <laughs> I'm not afraid of mountains, but I'm afraid. I of- am. Oh, I climbed one and it was terrifying. <laughs> Right, you did. You are, you are. I'm afraid of the ocean. People laughed at me. It was a mountain in France, a plane went by overhead, and I hit the deck. <laughs> and it was very steep, and there was many people on the path, and they all broke into the low, like the biggest round of laughter I've heard oh, at my, my expense. God. I was literally like already crying because we were really high up at that point, and I'm pretty sure like one guy was like, oh, she's crying. Like, was oh, she like, crying? <laughs> and his french accent french people yeah. are, <laughs> french people are kind of dicks so that checks out anyway yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ykwiw podcast you can check out our website i've been wondering.com if you like what you're hearing please consider leaving us a five-star review on itunes and finally if you have something that you've been wondering you can email us at i've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we would love to put it on our show Okay, this just popped into my mind, literally just this second. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I've been wondering, Sarah? 
What have you been wondering? Now, this, this is sort of an unsolved case that I feel like I've, I see people bring up a lot on TikTok, Mm -hmm. but I've been wondering, I know some of the detail, I know like the major details about this case, Mm -hmm. but so many people on TikTok seem to have a theory about how it is solved. I would like you to tell me why so many people on TikTok are convinced that John Benet Ramsey was killed by her brother. Oh yeah, we can talk about that. that, No, is that too recent like I know it was the, it, like, it happened in the 90s Jane <laughs> I know but it's like there's a family out there that lost a little girl and it feels I, mean I but... can talk about it in a way that that's that's sensitive. Resp- that's sensitive yeah. you know it is an unsolved case there there's a huge community of people that think her brother did it there's also a huge community of people that think her dad did it and there's a huge community of people mm. that think her mother did it and there are people who think that it was nobody at all um, so yes, I, I, I was, I was thinking when you were explaining this, I was like, this is going to be John Bonet. Um, yeah. yes, I will, I will, I will talk about this. This is something I okay. actually have a lot of information about. Okay, for sure. Cool. Okay. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? Sure. I mean, what? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you, yeah. <laughs> it was an appropriate answer, but I just still was so shocked by it. I, we actually already missed this holiday, but I think that's fine because I don't think most people will know that we've missed this holiday. I would like to know what May Day is. Okay. May Day, May Day. It's funny because I just started watching season four of Handmaid's Tale, which <laughs> this is a secret to tell them. <laughs> I, won't, I won't put that in there. <laughs> I know no, that you're no, watching I- it because you're, you're on my Hulu. I know everything you watch, Jane, on Hulu. I just finished Bob's Burgers. <laughs> you finished? I didn't realize it was only ten seasons. It's I was just watching on all. They just finished their eleventh, or they're they're currently in the middle of their eleventh season. Oh, is the eleventh season not on Hulu yet? It is on Hulu. It's just not over yet. Oh well, I don't know. I was watching it and then it went to a different show, so I was like, oh, I guess I finished it. Oh, but then probably you've you've <laughs> caught up with all the episodes that have aired at the moment. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, I want you to talk about May Day. <laughs> okay, I will. I heard one fun superstition the other day that I was telling my students about today because they were picking dandelions. Mm-hmm. But I was mad that it was really raining here the night of April 30th because I happened to see a post on Facebook that there's like an Irish superstition. You're supposed to pick yellow flowers, including dandelions, and put them on your porch the night of April 30th. Because, mm. like, it, it, it's some superstition about, like, keeping spirits away from your home oh. on May Day or something. Yeah. That's, like, a fun And I was level. like, oh, cool, I want to do that. But then it was then it was downpouring. Mm. Like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Well, that's what's happening next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering. <laughs>